Welcome to BrainWorks Talks, challenging views on mental health and neurodiversity. Hello everyone, I'm Helen, I'm a solution-focused hypnotherapist and I'm running some podcasts on neurodiversity and actually living well with it and those kind of hidden qualities that that you have when you're neurodiverse. And today I am honoured to be in the presence of Emma, who um, I've known for a few years now, but due to COVID, we haven't actually been able to see because you've been shielding for so long. But um, it's great to have um, have her with us. What happened to her a few years ago was she had an accident, but I'm going to leave her to explain everything about that. So what I'd like to do... um, Hello, Emma. Nice to see you. Hello, Helen. Thank you for having me. That's all right. So what I'd like to do just first is talk about you before your accident Mm -hmm. and sort of what you did and and who you were. Mm -hmm. So before my accident, it's kind of a bit tricky. So I have my my um, injury is a traumatic brain injury. um, And part of my injury is something called retrograde amnesia. So um, memory is as you would know Helen is a very complex thing it isn't just I think you sort of think of it as like a short-term memory and then long-term memories but they get stored in different parts of the brain and it's so such a complex thing but basically I've come to the realization I think some of my memories are locked away I just need to access them so for whatever reason I think I would say my uh my lady or man at the front of house, like my frontal lobe and my brain, bit useless at her job, like my executive functioning secretary. She's absolutely useless. So yeah. she does all the filing of memories and all the other jobs. She has lots of jobs, bless her, but she she's not very good at her job. Um, things get muddled up, filed in the wrong place, lost, thrown away. So essentially... <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my sort of little analogy of my uh, sort of memory issues and uh, my person at the front desk of my brain. Um, so I can sort of remember what I was like before my brain injury. It's mainly being told by other people what I was like uh, before my brain injury. But I was working for the NHS as a physiotherapy assistant um was looking to change um and sort of up uh, um I've forgotten the word this is where a brain injury shows up to the party but that's all good we'll laugh about it <laughs> so I wanted to um progress within my I wanted a career and I knew that sort of something medical really Sorry, my computer's making all sorts of beepy sounds. It stopped. Um, <laughs> um, so I, I uh, was actually going to be um, an operating department practitioner, which oh, is wow. totally different to physiotherapy. Um, it's basically, in layman's terms, a theatre nurse, uh, but very sort of specialised within theatres because I'd happened to sort of um do a bit of bank work um in the hospital that I worked in and I got some shifts in theatre and theatre's like Marmite you either love it or hate it and I was literally like oh my gosh this is the best thing ever (laughs) I want to like like live there so um I uh, applied to several universities and got a place at Oxford Brooks uh 
that was the same year that I had my brain injury but it's all good because in a weird way I've my my uh I've come full circle basically so um I think in my physio assistant's role I was always destined to be a physio I knew it for for years like since being a kid I think like literally like to look how people move like uh everything to do with the body um and uh Basically, I won't say my accident happened for a reason, like not by any stretch, but um, basically it, it after a long time recovering, we're talking years and years of recovery. I didn't really have any prospects at the time of my accident. Do you want me to talk about my accident? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about the accident. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to talk all the way around it and like, <laughs> It won't make any sense. <laughs> That's fine. Let, let's talk about the accident because obviously the accident was the, the turning point for everything, wasn't it? it? Yeah, I was like a fit and healthy 33-year-old, uh, used to go to the gym every day, was in really good shape if you want to look at it sort of aesthetically wise, uh, but very healthy, didn't have anything wrong with me um, at all um and one day I went to bed like you do and the next day we didn't wake up so I've always been a sleepwalker since being a child um I had another sort of serious accident some years before where I actually fell down the stairs and I ruptured three ligaments in my ankle so I've had to have had to have two surgeries on my ankle um, so I've always been very active, like at night time, like very chatty or night terrors, the works. Um, and um, so this one night, it was quite stressful, wasn't in a very good relationship. So periods of intense stress would make it obviously 10 times worse. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, and I was in a very busy job that I was no longer getting job satisfaction from. Um, I cared a lot about my patients, which were largely elderly patients. And I felt like I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to do like what I could for them because we were so sort of short staffed, like in a constant state of being short staffed. My 12 hour shifts were never 12 hours. There was sort of 14 or more, wouldn't have breaks. Like uh, it was very quite stressful situation. So I went to bed one night um and that was it and then the next thing I know is I wake up in hospital and basically um it's very weird sort of talking about it because I don't have really any memory of like the accident which is good but it also leaves an element of mystery like you almost will never know all I know is I was found on the bathroom floor by my ex-partner um and I had been there for two days um say 48 hours um he came home he was apparently away on business um I can't remember whether he was or wasn't so it's all a bit of a mystery um and he obviously found me in a varied state of consciousness not I I was essentially in a coma I think for most of that time and um I he obviously got me to hospital, called an ambulance, whatever. And um, so I wake up in hospital, sort of triple immobilized. 
um so my head was in blocks like taped so I couldn't move my neck to like protect my neck I don't think they knew obviously it's all to them just the medical sort of team it was a bit of a mystery like um because there's no sort of everything was a closed injury so there's no blood no nothing on the bathroom floor I was just found on the bathroom floor unconscious like so very mysterious um and um they quickly rushed me to have a CT scan um, because they obviously suspected like a brain injury of some sort or wanted to at least rule that out. And um, I think I was very much in and out of consciousness still at that point. Um, And it was at that point that they realised I had a a huge skull fracture, which um, sort of started at the back of my my head about halfway down your occipital bone to be precise. It extended all the way underneath my skull, like underneath. I had a fracture of C1, which was thankfully stable, so didn't need any surgery. Um, but I had to wear a, uh, it's called a Philadelphia collar, it's a type of neck brace, Yeah. for nine months um, following that. Um, but I, I had a lucky escape, so I've since learned through my sort of physio studies and geekiness that... I might have had to have had a halo brace that they actually screw in your skull because a structure on the underneath of your skull called your clivus, I fractured that in half. But, and that's normally fatal on its own. There's not many stats to say of people who have survived that type of injury. So even my basal skull fracture was enough really on paper to have ended my life, but it didn't. Um, I had multiple hemorrhaging in my brain. Um, I've got quite widespread damage um, to my brain to like, um, I had a hemorrhage around my cerebellum and sort of a little bit into my cerebellum, hence my little bit wibbly wobbly. And I have something called acquired ataxia. So that's how probably why my speech is affected as well as other areas of my brain. Um, I had uh, huge damage to my frontal lobe, uh, temporal lobes. Um, that's from an injury called a contracu injury. So if you hit the back of your head, yeah. your brain shunts forward into the front of your skull and the inside of your skull isn't all smooth like you sort of would expect it to be. It's got ridges inside it and various structures that are quite sharp so your brain's sort of a bit like a blancmange so obviously my brain sort of shunted back and forth a few times that causes something called diffuse axonal injury so it spreads throughout your entire brain um where I'd been left like where I was on the floor for two days I, I was told I probably would have gone straight into surgery had I been found straight away but um, it actually was at a sort of tipping point of it. They decided to basically watch and wait and see what happened because of my skull fracture. It sounds disgusting. I'm sorry to anyone who listens to this and it's a bit feels a bit queasy. When my skull fracture was quite large and the bones had come apart a bit, it allowed for my brain to swell a bit better. So it sort of. Uh, otherwise you have to have parts of like your skull removed and stuff but I'd essentially done that myself through (laughs) fracturing my skull so 
I um it was touch and go with like operations and stuff my um some of my hemorrhaging is quite near my brain stem um I have ongoing things with that as in I've got a lo- I can't it's not a party trick so I can't do it on demand but um I have like uh, something called dysphagia which is like an issue with uh, like the mechanism of swallowing um and occasionally I can squirt whatever I'm drinking out of my nose because of the lack of coordination <laughs> but I can't do it under on demand which is a bit of a shame um and I choke on sort of I have to avoid fair like various like foods egg scrambled egg weirdly so yeah I don't I tr- tend to try and give that a bit of a swerve but um so yeah like I was hugely cognitively affected initially like didn't know who I was couldn't communicate that well um thought I was 13 for whatever reason okay. as a teenager yeah uh, people I worked with two days before uh because it was the ward that I worked in uh, the hospital I walked the hospital that I worked in that I got admitted to so people I worked with on shift came to see me because they heard it got message got around quite quickly and uh I didn't know who they were right um and my it's still quite difficult with my parents and my brother could because of my retrograde amnesia it's taken all of like the familiarity familiarity away from them so I don't feel as close as I would want to apparently we had a really good like relationship and I feel like that like when I'm with them but it's really hard because there's this disconnect wow which is like super hard for them and I it is hard for them. I know that because they obviously have got this new Emma and stuff, but um, there's also been a lot of positives, like despite the negatives that you might sort of perceive. I don't think you can go for anything major and not come out and come out, sorry, and come out like completely unscathed. It just doesn't work like that. Uh, before my accident, I was very much a yes woman. Yes, 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 I'll do that. Of course I'll do that. Add it to my list. I'll, and to my own detriment, like literally didn't keep any of myself back for myself. Literally just gave everything to everybody else. Like, um, and I'm I'm not that person like anymore, which is a positive, I think. Yeah. I love people and I would help. I'd give someone a shirt off my back, but like, you're no, no good to anyone unless you retain something of yourself. Absolutely. It's always about putting your um, your oxygen mask on first, isn't it? Looking after yourself first mm. so that you can you can help other people. Yeah. Uh, so that's, you know, that's quite a quite. That's absolutely significant change to your life. How, mm. how long were you in hospital? And uh, not long enough is my answer um <laughs> I wasn't Brit, the Bristol area's got a fabulous like brain injury rehab um and spinal rehab um and sort of um inpatient facilities there wasn't any it's a bit of a postcode lottery to be honest with you like depending on this is like a nationwide like problem that there's yeah. such a huge um spectrum of like what is actually available um, and um and what's not so um essentially yeah I was not in hospital for really any length of time whatsoever and I didn't have any formal rehab at all wow 
and then um i i basically somehow with my broken cognitive abilities got online and onto i think a ot set me up onto headway the brain injury charity they got an online sort of chat forum you know like very 2000s i want to say <laughs> like yeah an online chat forum and um it's like headways their their central office manage it yeah and um so they moderate that's the word i'm looking for moderate the forum and stuff and check like safeguard and all sorts of things or whatever so it's a very safe like environment but it was so funny that i met my now partner who you spoke to previously danny um on that platform and uh, we got, I would say, talking, but I would say, no, it wasn't. It was a jumbled mass of letters that didn't make any sense whatsoever. He was in the same position with his brain injury. So he so totally understood like where I was coming from, that I was trying to communicate, but I really couldn't. Yeah. So very all over the place. Um, and uh, he literally was so supportive and he'd literally say, just keep trying don't give up keep it will come back and it, and lo and behold it did and uh we were like talking on there for I, I have no perception of time so I couldn't tell you how long it was months and um I was living with my parents at this time back with my parents which was um challenging and weird and I'm sure it's crazy for them having this feral I was basically feral this feral wild woman who like literally had to be reminded to like get dressed and stuff because I think you go back to being like quite primitive and stuff everyone if we didn't have like our body hang-ups I swear everybody would be naked all the time because it's really <laughs> comfortable I'm not a naturist by the way um, so yeah like having to be reminded that you need to put more clothes on than that like to be and all like just I was feral like wild cave women like <laughs> just like no idea had to be reminded like how when to eat when to drink this that and the other um, like my I remember my mum coming home from work and finding me crouched in front of the fridge just chewing a block of cheese from okay. the packet and they were sort of like, you've ever heard of a knife and fork and like a plate? And But that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because your your um, frontal cortex um, mm -hmm. was so damaged. So you were essentially using your primitive yeah. functions. It was completely like, and even in hospital, I remember this is not embarrassing for me to talk about. So it's all good. It's all good to get it out there. But I remember being in hospital and I obviously had the urge to pee. And I just let it go. I just stood there. And then I was like, judging by, I, I don't think I could even tell the nurse's reaction. It was not a normal thing to do because I couldn't gauge things. I just, I had to learn how to behave again and how to all like, and societal norms. And even now I'm sort of like, well, that's weird. Has it always been that way? Like kind of thing. <laughs> like, but yeah, so um back to steering back to like Danny and stuff so I was like this feral wild like just yeah yeah kind of like a, a toddler basically in a 33 year old's 
body or whatever like quite defiant like I would need a nap but I'd be like nope I'm not having a nap like, but I'd be like really grotty and grisly and grumpy and horrible to be around uh, like a toddler that needs a nap yeah. and uh, so yes yeah, so Dan bless him eventually we like swap numbers we're texting it was all very like just friends at that point and um he was like do you fancy chatting on the phone I'm like no definitely not my speech is not up to that and he was like in your own time like, no hurry and then I reckon about a month later I'm like I think I'm ready for that phone call now and my mum and dad came home from work I do remember this and they were like Emma's talking to someone on the phone in the garden and they're like probably thinking who the hell's that is it the tax man like is it directory inquiries like who is it because it could have been anyone like someone that I was just chattering away to and they're like that's a boy I know it is I could tell by how happy she is in the garden and um so basically over the like that those coming weeks or whatever it was Dan said he'd like come down and visit me I was in Surrey and Dan's obviously in Bristol and he came down on the train to like visit me and my mum and dad it was like so funny it's like super it's a bit old-fashioned I suppose like being um escorted places because I could not be anywhere on my own just didn't have the cognitive ability to like be aware of anything and I was very vulnerable like uh like hugely vulnerable so my mum and dad took me to the train station, bless them, and a Guildford train station as well. And they said, right, stand there, wait there, look that way. Danny's going to come this way, like towards you. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, and I'm like, like a teenager, I'm like, go away. Like, <laughs> you're so embarrassing. Like that kind of thing. Like, just get away. And, um, so they said, we'll be waiting in the car park. Like, if you need us, text us. We just want to make sure you're okay. We're not here to embarrass you. Just want to make sure that you're okay and all is good. And then I saw this little penguin come waddling through. Dan, bless him. We had our matching walking sticks. Like, literally, it was like Harold and Hilda from, <laughs> from then on in. And... Uh, we literally went to like the train station cafe first for like a coffee and stuff just to break the ice of like meeting someone for the first time. Still very much friends at that point, just like just letting things be, you know, just mm-hmm. he was like just knew he was a good person. But obviously my mum and dad are like, we need to make sure that like, he really is this good person kind of thing. And anyway, like, when does this actually happen? But we all, including my mum and dad, my mum and dad took us all out for dinner and it was really quite nice. Um, And then literally Dan would come and visit like every couple of weeks. And then it was heartbreaking. It it sort of then turned into like a relationship really nicely, really slowly. Um, And then like, to cut a long story short, I got admitted to hospital with an infection and my parents were due to go away on holiday. And obviously I wasn't in a position where I could look after myself. And Dan, bless him, as my knight in shining armour, comes waddling into the Royal County Surrey Hospital again. <laughs> um, I stand up from where I'm sitting. This is another embarrassing, but not embarrassing. I've lost all my dignity in this time, so I really don't care. <laughs> if it helps one other person or helps someone relate, then that's all good. I stood up, 
my catheter bag comes disconnected and pee goes <laughs> all over the floor where Danny stood and the whole ward is looking at me. And I'm in my hospital nighty and I think, well, well, I didn't really, I didn't really care to be honest. I wasn't aware to like care or whatever. I was like, oh, so yeah, a bit tragic. But then we got, he said to the doctors and that, if she's well enough, we're like, go, I'll take her to Bristol on the train. They said, yeah, she'll be good. Um, and then literally I never went back. That was it. Parked myself up in Bristol and I've been here for five years. <laughs> That's crazy. And good. Then the crazy thing is, so this is where the world is weird, where it's like things happen for a reason and the stars come into alignment. I got all the rehab in the whole world ever. So I'm bearing in mind I'm 18 months post injury at this point, which is essentially quite a good time to begin, uh, particularly like neuropsychological and neuropsychiatry, <laughs> neuropsychiatry rehab. Um, yeah because you're in a bit of a better place the medical stuff is sort of stabilized um I had literally top to toe um MOT I saw neurosurgeons check my neck was okay which I hadn't had any input for like ages kind of was just a bit left and it fell through the system big time and had nobody really to advocate for me I suppose but this is where things turn around and um I literally had the most phenomenal rehab from the head injury therapy unit at French A. I was there for a good 18 months, two years, and I had like a full on timetable of activities and therapies that I would go to. I was seeing a neuropsychiatrist, a neuropsychologist, um, neurophysio, neurooccupational health. Um, wow. Yeah. The difference crazy and postcode yeah and and like there's an element of I'm a feisty little cow I don't tend to give up and I don't quit and I tend to like to prove people wrong so there's an element of that and I'm a fighter I would say like I don't tend to like give up or if something presents a challenge I, I kind of want to just run with it I won't I'll hit I'll butt heads with <laughs> like I'll literally like keep trying like if it's something that's core to me or I feel really strongly about, I'll keep going. Like, and that's what like rehab wasn't easy. And it wasn't like I had all these magical therapies and like my life was happily ever after, but it gave me the tools I needed to find ways to help myself. Um, so what was the tipping point then for you? Like we, we spoke before we kind of, yeah on about you know what was that defining moment where you decided that you were going to live and yeah live well yeah well this is the thing so like my cognitive um sort of my awareness cognitive awareness was came back very slowly um still have some sort of behavioral challenges from time to time and some issues with like cognitive like um deficits and stuff but I have lots of goals with that um that to manage these symptoms um uh, forgotten tipping point tipping point yeah the tipping point was um when I was cleared I was very active like I said beforehand like went to the gym and stuff that was the the day that I set a foot back in a gym for the first time and this is like so when I think about it I'm like that's actually quite crazy so 
I don't know if I was an, like this intense before my brain injury or not, but say, uh, you know Zoe, don't you? The, the Phoenix lady. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's embarrassing. Sorry, Zoe, if you listen to this. <laughs> Um, so I saw something about her and her strong women things and that, and I saw that there's an event coming up, and I was like, I really want to go and watch that. Like, I want to go and like watch, spectate, or whatever. Well, I didn't spectate, did I? I took part in it. So I went from nothing. Because let me say, the 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 like little amber to green light was flashing when my neurosurgeon said, I said to him, "Can I exercise?" And he said, "Emma." You can exercise with no restriction, just like know your limits, like of fatigue and like how your neck is feeling. Like I trust you with like your own insight into your your um, problems or whatever, pains and ongoing things or whatever. So I went with the intention to uh, watch. I didn't, did I? I was deadlifting tractor tires. I was like, wow uh yeah all sorts so literally but li- I I cried during that because it was literally like my life had been given back to me on a plate and it was like a it was like a real like epiphany of like I haven't died because I felt like the walking dead to be honest with you for a little while when my cognitive function started coming back and I came into my body again like I was like oh I'm Emma and like this is who I am kind of thing whereas before I was kind of a bit primal a bit like yeah primal feral wild whatever I felt like I was like a dead woman walking didn't have any purpose didn't didn't feel strong and my whole identity before is that I was like healthy strong and like goes to the gym that's Emery works as a physio assistant and goes to the gym like that and I'd lost all those things um and like literally I break down in the middle of it because I I think I did a log overhead log press I was really scared of dropping it on my head so I kept chickening out I get it to like a clean like from my knees up onto my like upper chest and each time I bottle it and then they were the ladies that were there were screaming and yelling and Zoe was like you've got this look you can do it and I did it and then I literally like just broke down and I was like because literally like saying I'm I'm strong like I'm but it meant more than just the physical strength it's like the mental strength and I think um, it's like really important if you're going through something or be or have been through something major that um, you just try and find like something like that it doesn't have to obviously not everybody likes exercise or whatever but whatever your thing is like just hold on to that like little like glimmer of hope like just hold on to it, it does ground you and like um, I'm a right little miss if I can't exercise I, it is it helps me channel things and keeps things regulated and like in balance like yeah it helps your brain as well doesn't it yeah, you know, definitely brain definitely um yeah oh wow and that so was- that's that's pretty phenomenal but that's kind of uh, you know that doesn't make you you isn't it and and how great that is that like you say it's not just about you know it's not about the physical thing for everyone you don't have to be that but actually finding that finding that little glimmer of hope and recognizing there is yeah so moving with with that what do you what do you do now 
so um that was like the next thing so all throughout rehab I was like I want to go to university and they were like you need to be realistic Emma it's probably not going to happen like I can't like I, I there's no gentle way of saying this but we need to manage your expectations and I'm like okay so I, I was like not happy about that I come home in tears like from speech and language therapy sessions where like I'd been working obviously my speech and stuff and various other things um oh what's going on are you still there yeah oh my wi- my window went weird there we go I just closed something sorry that's all right why has it gone on if you look down there's a little camera icon on the bottom of your like on the bottom line yeah press it and it should pop me back up again hello oh there i see it i see it there you are i was like where's she gone she cut me off no no (laughs) i'd come home like in tears and in a temper I won't lie like and Dan bless him got got like the brunt of it but he's like a little Yoda he's like very grounded very calm we're very we're total opposites but it completely works yeah. I'm like a tornado of mentalness and he's like just this like Tai Chi like little like Yoda like character <laughs> or whatever and it just works yeah so I like thank him from the bottom of my heart for that but Literally, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to start really small, because at this point, I had to, I had to learn what money was, how to count it. I still struggle, like under pressure from in a queue, and I'm trying to count out change. It's, it's hard for me. It's like really difficult. Um, and um, so I thought, I'm gonna start with. Um, I did some like functional skills in maths and English in the community. Um, South Gloss have got this really good, like, it's absolutely brilliant, like, um, uh, sort of, they do these, run these courses for people with, they're designed for people who have either been sort of on, like, long-term benefits, people um, who've been out of work, and then they they managed to fit me in that, even though I didn't really meet the criteria, because my, I had qualifications from before, but because of my situation, they said, like, yeah, like, we'd love to have you. And so I did maths and English, level one and level two over, right. like, two years, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first the first time I had to go with my support worker because I was a nightmare. Like, I literally would, like, just get up and walk out of the classroom in the middle of, like, a lesson, just not very cognitively aware, even at that point. So you can sort of see why they were saying mm. you need to manage your expectations. Um, but gradually, I, like, got to know the teacher and stuff. She was, like, super... We're still friends now, Carolyn, bless her. Um, proper old-school maths teacher, basically. Yeah. Making me scared of her, and I'm, like... I liked that, cause she's very, like formal and I, I totally understand her intent- intentions and there's no fluffiness or like I totally would just get what she, like what we were there to do kind of thing and um, I think she's a little bit scared of me initially like as in oh we got like this dodgy person like coming in or whatever but it all worked out and I got my level one and level two qualifications got 
the Learner of the Year award was in the papers, like local papers. Wow. <laughs> and everything. I've still got my award here somewhere. Um, and um, all along, it was, I never took my sights off of. But guess what? I'd gone away from ODP because I can't do that anymore, like the operating department practice, because um, I have a hearing impairment now because of my brain injury. So we're hearing aids and I rely a lot on um, lip reading, uh, which is tricky in a pandemic. Um, yeah. let's say. Um, and the number of times I nearly lost my hearing aids, taking my mask off, like and accidentally <laughs> pull my hearing aid out at the same time. But it's all good. We're like getting there. Um, and um, I've forgotten where I was going with this. My goodness. <laughs> See, this is, this is what it's like. Dory is my nickname, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's absolutely fine. You were talking about um, the fact that you um, had gone away from your um, operating. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I was like realistic. Yeah, realistic yeah. to know. And you can't have a walking aid in theatres. Like, I'm getting to a point now where I don't necessarily need my walking aid all of the time. So, That's like, cool. it's quite exciting. I, I, I can take a fold-up one now and have it with me if I go a bit wibbly-wobbly with my ataxia. But on a good day, I can, like, probably look a bit strange, but I can, like, uh, waddle about, like, without it and stuff and feel okay. Brilliant. Um, and, um, oh, my goodness, I keep forgetting where I'm going with that. <laughs> so, yeah, <this> <laughs> but this is me, people. I don't <laughs> mind you keeping this in. <laughs> this is, like, life with a hidden disability. <gasps> I can laugh about it. It's, yeah. not, it's not always hilarious, but humour is a massive, like, coping strategy. I'd rather people, like, take the mick out of me, like, obviously not be cruel, but, like, laugh along with me. Like, please don't wrap me up in cotton wool or, like, treat me any different. I just want to be like everybody else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, steered away from... I've got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, I was realistic enough to know that I couldn't do my operating department practice qualification anymore. And I was like, you know what? Like physio is screaming my name right now. I've never, I just was in a job. I'd stagnated. I wasn't enjoying it anymore. So, and it, it pushed me in another direction briefly. Yeah. I love all things medical. I'm a geek. Like anything. If I could live my life again, I'd have loved to have studied medicine and become a doctor, but um yeah I, I'd be well over the moon of being a physio so um yeah so essentially um I applied to UE to do physiotherapy a couple of years back now um but with a foundation year to like bridge the gap between um obviously um well, I had seven years. Like uh, it's, I'm approaching seven years now since my accident. Um, I had like a good, sorry, five years where I'd not been doing anything to like other than my functional skills, which that was enough at the time. But yeah. I hadn't been sort of working my brain, and we didn't know the level at which I could study at. So it made sense to do a foundation year, which I absolutely breezed and was getting sort of insane marks, like. 90 odd percent 80 percent in like my assignments and that because my hyper focus is like is a gift in some yeah. way um it would help me like get through 
um like essays and stuff and I love essays and assignments and stuff um and uh yeah so covid unfortunately well it's it's upset everyone's lives like over this past sort of 12 onwards months but um I have I'm in like um here we go again with the speech so uh I had to defer I got part way like most of the way through my first semester actually and was doing really well had started to make friends and um which is very difficult in itself when we're all covered up like with masks aprons gloves visors like you know like it's crazy it's like meeting robots it's like, <laughs> oh, like what the hell like so and and I need all the components of someone's face to be able to remember them and to remember their name because I attach that somehow to like who they are yeah and I find it really hard then to like know learn and remember names and things um and uh yeah so I had to like defer the rest of the year due to my COVID vulnerability um just wasn't safe for me to um be in in that kind of environment with the virus when it was sort of when we were going through that like really bad like wave of infections but even then like I don't tend to turn that into negative it's just one of those things you can't change that it's affected us all no one's walked away with like like what like the (laughs) (laughs) no one no one's like walked away with nothing like from this like but I've been studying at home doing I'll give them a little name drop there's a um it's run by physios actually they're called clinical physio and they're absolutely amazing they run all sorts of webinars for student physios qualified physios but they're amazing super friendly um yeah shared my story on their like Instagram page it's like really nice to like know and that and that that people like that are there brilliant that sounds I mean that's phenomenal that you kind of set your goal to go back to university and just kept it you know and kept going And, and and I guess as well really nice to hear that you know, not putting a time frame on it either. No. Not not at all. Have you mentioned that I wanted to do this in six years and I wanted to do this? No. You know, you've just gone, look, I'm going to get there. Yeah, and- you've got to relax about these things. Like, I'm 40 next week. So, like, I'm not, I'm not, like, in my 20s or whatever, like, my peers at university. Like, I'm not in a hurry. Like, I've got, there's plenty of work in the old girl yet. Like, yeah. I've got loads <laughs> of time left. So, I'm that's like I think the best way to be just like be relaxed about it because pressure like any kind of illness injury um big even just a big been through something terrible sort of psychologically like any kind of pressure is not going to help so the best thing is to just enjoy the process really brilliant so on, on our kind of final thing what uh, what are your hidden sort of qualities or s- superhero-ness being uh, neurodiverse? Well, so we touched on this a little bit earlier when we were chatting before yeah. we sort of went live or whatever you would call it, um, is that um, I, I share sort of some traits with other neurodiverse um, conditions. So... Um, I can have I'm not going to say suffer because it's not I don't suffer with it it just needs managing but hyper focus so uh, for anyone who sort of doesn't know what that is it's 
it tends to be anything you're like very interested in or invested in so for me it's anything to do with the body or medical physiotherapy um and the gym I row as well so anything to do with rowing um I will literally do it until I fall down like hours and hours on end my early on in my brain injury I was living with my mum and dad they went to work one day because they're still working left me sort of home alone um they gave me a coloring in book and some pencils and I was still there eight hours later with little stubs for pencils (laughs) (laughs) where I would just like I would not like even now I will not hear the doorbell go I won't if I'm in a like a period of like hyper focus the door will be right next to me and I won't hear it I won't drink anything I'll forget to eat so it's important to manage it like I said but I wouldn't say it's necessarily like a bad thing because it helps with things like assignments and uh university work and it makes you very like um uh passionate and um I'll give everything like to my sport or whatever like to rowing I will heavily invest yeah um, into that another weird like this is like super weird and quite rare in the realms of brain injury like many others who've had frontal lobe damage it damaged my olfactory bulb which is the part that processes your sense of smell um and mine was apparently completely smushed so the likelihood of my sense of smell returning is minimal to none I would say um medical people like doctors don't they disregard it it's not a not a uh, vital sense but it is way more vital than people realize like the world is very vanilla like without your sense of smell and it affects my sense of taste um but on the flip side to that it's given me superhero status of a really funny but a bit naff superhero uh thing that i can taste colors i have synesthesia so um my senses have got a bit jumbled up but it's not like so you're like so right does yellow taste like banana and I'm like no they all have their own tastes and if there's lots of colour it's like a jumble on my tongue like crazy weird that's really interesting isn't it how how phenomenal and it 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 grew as well so it started off with just yellow because I was like what the hell is that taste like for a long time like and then I realized like it was yellow and then literally it adapted so I have all the colors now so yeah oh wow mm. that's that the purpley blue on your sign behind you it tastes a little bit like plasticine like the smell of what plasticine used to like taste like taste like smell like what I've never eaten plasticine <laughs> honest (laughs) it's that weird from what I remember a weird smell about it yeah so what's your favorite um what's your favorite color taste red really yeah it's sort of a bit spicy a bit sweet a bit closest to the closest thing is like something cinnamony but sweet well so like a Christmas um that Christmas taste yeah it's weird yellow is my least favorite it's horrible and it fizzes on my tongue it's like a sensation as well 
Like, oh. It is really weird. And it's a spectrum of colour. So anything from like beige has like quite a gentle but not very nice taste to like fluorescent yellow, which is like, yeah, like I've, the similar feeling to what when you have a mouthwash, like how it makes your tongue feel, but like with a really like quite a hot yeah. repulsive taste. Yeah, it's weird. So yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's just how, how yeah. Isn't it incredible what our brain does and how it yeah. does adapts and changes? Yeah. And yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, even though it's it's kind of cross wired, that yeah. doesn't say that it's you know. And uh, weirdly, some of my skills have been upgraded. So I've had an upgrade <gasps> with like certain things. Better at maths. Used to be terrible at maths. Absolutely awful. Very logical. I have a very logical brain now. Like can literally look at something and like see the pattern yeah whereas couldn't before was very mm. I was very erratic very fly by the seat of my pants nothing was planned like literally crazy like a like just annoyingly late to everything I whereas now I obviously had a few technical things but I was still dead on time I think this morning yeah. um but I like to be early like really like so like my organizational skills I think because it brings you comfort I think to be to be stable and you know that if you arrive somewhere five minutes early it's even better to be earlier than that like it's just so much nicer like it's just a another strategy like to make life a bit easier um we were talking a bit as well before weren't we about strategies and you have strategies for most things don't you I do yeah so that you can deal with so what would be your your kind of like advice to to people living you know you know especially if they, they've just started living with an, a neurodiversity mm-hmm. um what would kind of be your your sort of overall advice or just a few pointers to kind of to help them and give them that kind of hope and and and, and maybe motivation too well, the first thing I'd say is, like, definitely never apologise for who you are. I went through this spell of having to, like, warn people of, like, my injury and how that might make me behave, because this is some of the more hidden stuff that um, that it can affect things like your behaviour and your mood and um, all sorts of things. But um, And then that has, like, a knock-on effect. And, like, um so it'd be like just never apologize for like who you are now like uh, it's not like you don't need to do that kind of thing pay attention to things that ground you make you feel better and like look look to explore those things whether it's a hobby um uh find like strategies it's obviously quite difficult to like even recommend if I was to recommend my strategies to someone else with the exact same injury to their brain as mine it might not help them yeah um but oh and never be embarrassed to use your strategies I've got millions like I talk to I look like Jane uh, in my mind I think I'm James Bond like talking to my watch I've got like a smart watch so I'm like set up my remind no Siri not now <laughs> I set up it literally to start <laughs> I, have, I have reminders and alarms and uh my calendars and it helps me to have like structure to like my day even though technically now I'm sort of in no man's land waiting to go back to university but it's really important to have like a structure to your day 
yeah like crucial I would say whatever <laughs> just if you're dealing with any well anyone even like if I could yeah. advise you before brain injury like it just takes so much stress away that you don't even realize you've got until you find it a little bit harder to deal with like um stress or whatever yeah yeah absolutely and and a lot oh, of take your time that's sorry to interrupt yeah, no, no, that's take fine. your time like if it is an injury or some a medical sort of um condition um take your time don't rush nothing is worth rushing for like honestly like really don't because like you're you'll miss so many things like along the way um yeah that's the biggest thing is like yeah don't rush like it's amazing emma thank you so much it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you and you know you you really are inspiring you and danny have both you know have, have used your you know what's happened to you to your advantage as well and and made sure that you you've chosen to get on with your life and and live it the way that you want to live it which mm -hmm. you know which is absolutely fantastic so um i'm going to wrap up now so it's really great to um have spoken with you and um I look forward to seeing you in person because we'll be able to go out soon. It'll be so nice. <laughs> it will be lovely. Um, and once again, thank you so much for your time. Um, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Yes. All right. Thank you.